Hello, my name is Will and you're listening to Exploding Helicopter, the only podcast in the world with the sole aim of celebrating helicopter explosions in film. In August 1990, Saddam Hussein ordered his army to invade the neighbouring country of Kuwait, an event which led to what is now known as the First Gulf War. A few months later, a coalition of countries led by the United States lined up together to liberate Kuwait. So I give you this brief history lesson because that war provides the backdrop for the film we're looking at on this show, the action comedy drama Three Kings. To help me discuss the film, I'm joined by a man whose only experience of fighting battles on a sand-covered wasteland consists solely of playing beach volleyball. With me once again is my good friend Dara. How you doing, buddy? Well, I've oiled myself down and my shirt is off because I come straight from the court for this uh, podcast, so I hope your viewers don't mind. That's a lovely image you've put in my mind, Dara. <laughs> if you ever need anyone to rub your back down, just let me know. I'll uh, give you a call. I picked this film uh, quite carefully for you, Dara, because I've, uh, I know to my pain in the past that I need to be quite careful about the sort of films I pick with you. You don't like anything too trashy. So hopefully I've picked an interesting movie for you with uh, an unusual exploding helicopter as well. Yeah, it's good, this film. I have to be honest. I've, I've, I saw it maybe when it came out, actually. So it's been quite a while. I've not, not revisited it since. So I remember it being good. And obviously it's a good cast. So there's actually quite a lot of politics in here, which might bore. Actually, I'm going to give the average fan of Exploding Helicopters a little bit more credit. They might enjoy the nuances of this film. And obviously, even if they don't, at the end of the film, there is a cracker of an exploding helicopter. Clever use of an American football, let's say. Oh, it's a real rarity, this one. So it's not completely unique, but we'll kind of get into that later. But it's a real rare exploding helicopter. So, yeah, good times ahead talking about that. Before we take a look at Three Kings, I need to make sure you're battle ready for this discussion. So I thought we'd do a little training exercise and talk about something interesting that you've seen lately. So what have you got for me, Dara? You know, I like to see the odd foreign film. I like to have uh, I like to go to the other side and check out some action. But I thought I'd go and see as as, as quite good reviews on it. The new uh, adaptation of The Jungle Book that's come out. And I was surprisingly impressed, actually. There's not as much singing as the actual original cartoon, but it's fairly faithful. The voice acting is fantastic. The animation's absolutely amazing. Yeah, it's reasonably faithful to the original, but there's a few differences here and there. I just found it wholly enjoyable. I don't know if you've uh, managed to catch it. I've not seen it, and I'm probably never going to see it because I just really don't get on with animated movies. I just really? kind of Yeah, they're just... They're just for kids, really. And I know like some of them are made with adults in mind or they are made so that they can operate on sort of two different levels, like appeal to kids, but also have some more intelligent aspects there for adults. But I just can't get over the fact that animation is just something you watch as a kid and then you should really be growing out of it. Oh, I don't know. Well, you need to I think you should try and go with a little bit more of an open mind. This film's like Up, which I'm sure you've been made aware of. Absolutely amazing. <laughs> Toy Story, um, you know, these films are very, very successful because they do, as you say, appeal to both adults and kids alike. I wouldn't just dismiss all animation. Well, recommend me one to see before I completely write off all animation. OK, I'll, I'll, I will do that. Well, Jungle Book, you know, I want you to do that. I want you to do that now. I don't want oh, you, you want to go me? away and come back with an answer. I want you to do that. I'm looking for an answer now. OK, so animation that I really enjoyed. Ah, uh, let me see. I liked Up. Go and see Up. It's brilliant. It, the beginning of Up, anyone who's seen it, it's, you have to have the coldest heart not to shed a tear at the beginning or at least 
pretend there's some dust in your eye. It's basically, I quickly summarise, it's a, a young boy and an old man, their bond, and obviously he's near a death. He, this boy has got all his life ahead of him, and their interaction is so sweet, it's so beautifully done. The story is quite simple, but it's just sort of an amazing adventure. You must have seen the poster of the balloons taking the house away. It's just fantastic. If you see Up and don't like it, I'll give you your money back. Well, I'm going to be going and watching Up. So the entire future of animated movies is at stake because if I don't like it, I am writing them all off. Fine. That's good. I'll take that. Okay, I think it's time to get stuck into Three Kings. So let's listen to the trailer, which conspicuously omits the film's political themes, lest it alienate potential cinema goers. It's about looks. It's about sex. It's about style. They survived the Gulf War. Are we shooting people or what? That's got to be worth something. Saddam stole millions in Kuwaiti bouillon. You mean them little cubes you put in hot water to make soup? No, not the little cubes you put in hot water to make soup. Three Kings. Rated R. Three Kings was released in 1999. It was set in the aftermath of the first Gulf War. Four American soldiers plan to steal gold that is hidden in the Iraqi desert. However, their illegal endeavour becomes more complicated when they find themselves caught up in a popular rebellion against Saddam Hussein. The film stars George Clooney, Mark Wahlberg, Ice Cube and Spike Jones, who is normally found behind a camera rather than in front of it. Three Kings was written and directed by David O. Russell, who subsequently went on to make The Fighter, American Hustle and Silver Linings Playbook. So, Dara, what did you make of Three Kings? Personally, I think this is a very good film. It's very funny, especially towards the beginning. The tone is maybe perhaps a bit uneven. It, it kind of goes, you kind of think it might be like a Coen Brother type style film right at the beginning because it's, it's very um, piss-takey at the beginning and very sort of light. And then as the film kind of runs its pace, you can, you know, you, you deal with a lot of the political issues and it starts to get a lot darker in tone. And obviously some serious points in here, which are, we will tackle later. It's not often we talk about politics and exploding helicopter, but we will do today. Yeah, it, may, it does leave an impression on you. Ending's a little bit Hollywood, but all in all, you know, I think most people who see it would, would, would acknowledge that it's well made and uh, has quite a lot of variety to it. It's not often that you have Hollywood look at uh, American foreign, foreign policy and do it so in such an accessible way. So overall, you thought it was a good movie? Definitely. And I think it borne out in the fact that you look on something like Rotten Tomatoes, it's in the 90s. So films don't get to that standard without having some quality to them. Well, as for myself, you know, I thought this film had a lot of qualities, some of which you've already sort of touched on it. I thought it was very nicely written. It's very well acted. And there's some interesting depth to this movie. There are some interesting political themes and ideas which are woven throughout the whole movie but i found this film slightly unsatisfying and i, f I found it a film that is easier to admire than love and i felt part of that was to do with the characters i thought some of them were quite well-rounded i thought that mark Wahlberg and spike jones's characters you saw some different facets to their character or that they were sort of fleshed out a little bit more. Whereas with George Clooney and Ice Cube's character, they felt just a little bit more one dimensional. And I think that as you're sort of following their journey, both sort of physical and moral, you sort of really need to understand their characters. And 
unfortunately for me, I thought only sort of half of the characters in this film, I kind of really was able to understand enough about them to sort of follow and understand and have some sort of investment in their journey. So are you saying, is it the lack of a back, George Clooney's backstory that sort of bothers you and you can't understand the motivation for his character? I think it is that aspect. And I'm going to be slightly contradictory here because on the one hand, I think one of the strengths of the film is it doesn't spoon feed you loads and loads of exposition or backstory, which could seem too clunky. But at, at the same token, I do think that with George Clooney's character, you just don't quite get enough to understand where exactly he is coming from in this film. So, you know, there's a scene at the beginning where he's questioning what the purpose of the war in the Gulf was. and that's really the only understanding or insight that you get into his mindset about what he thinks about what this conflict is, what do you, what he thinks about what it has achieved or not. And so it just feels a little bit like, OK, why does he decide to go on this mission? He's kind of set up in a very slight way, but I just felt it needed just a little bit more to kind of understand all of those facets of his character. So I think that's a fair point that you make regarding the his motivation. So in the broadest terms, Three Kings is a war movie, if you consider the setting and the characters within it. But it's a lot more than that, really, because it's a, it's an action movie. It's a caper movie. It's a comedy or even a satire. How do you think all of these different elements were combined? How did they balance out for you? Well, it's quite a hard uh, feat to manage to blend all those different elements into a film and make it work. I think in, as a whole, yeah, it's pretty well done. The action is very plausible. I think... Um, uh, the director, he chose specifically not to shoot, shoot from sort of various different camera angles for some of the explosions, some of the set pieces, in order to give it to give it that sort of documentary feel. So you kind of feel like you're you know, part of the action, you know, really, you're in there down and dirty. It's all kind of bleached out, uh, the actual visuals as well. I think the c- cinematographer was used to doing documentaries in uh, about war in Central Central America, that he had some background in that. So he knew how, he knows how to shot sort of guerrilla style. And that gives it a bit of an authenticity that helps for the sort of dramatic moments and, and for the action, I think. I prefer I prefer my action a bit more dirty. The fact that they've had to sort of, I suppose, shoehorn all these different elements into the film does make it a bit a bit patchy in areas. The tone is very different at the beginning of the film than it than it does at the end. I suppose it's it's impossible not to, to have it that way with all the different and he wants to obviously make a, quite a few political points in the film and obviously ramp up the drama for me didn't engage me all the way through but as a whole a great film and i think um you know kudos for what he tried to do at the time what parts of the film did it sort of not grab you i think towards like the the sort of three three quarters of the way through because they keep on going back to the to the bunker they go back about three times i think i was was starting to to lose track on why they kept on going back they went there once and they got told to go to another bunker, realised that that didn't have the goal, went back. Then they went away and then they went back again to rescue the hostages that were there. I just thought, oh, they could have done. I just felt that, that bit was I don't keep need to keep revisiting the same scenes. It just you start to lose interest. I don't know if you felt Move that way. away from the bunker. Move away from the bunker. Go can do just create something else. I don't know. It just felt like they're going backwards all the time. I kind of agree with the point that you made about the the tone here, because for me, it did jackknife around. And I do think, though, that that's intentional. And I think that that's trying to play up the absurdity of this conflict or perhaps 
all conflicts. Russell here has a point about what the point of this conflict was. It was to restore a dictatorship in Kuwait. And in doing that, they fermented a popular uprising against the uh, dictatorship in Iraq, which they subsequently left to fail. And as part of the kind of the terms of the, you know, the ceasefire in Iraq, they left Saddam Hussein with the military muscle and the resources to go and crush that uprising, which sort of ended up killing sort of thousands and thousands of people. Obviously, the director is not shy about uh, emphasising how much of a shambles this war was from start to finish and the farce that he uses, you know, you know, the kind of frat boy messing about at the beginning of the film, which is quite is very striking how, you know, everyone's just kind of messing around, very un- not very professional in the way they were handling the Iraqi people. It's even before that, isn't it? Because the film opens with Mark Wahlberg kind of pointing his gun at an Iraqi who looks like they're about to surrender. And, you know, yeah, he's he goes, like, are we sh- are we shooting? Can it, are we shooting now? Because he doesn't understand that the orders haven't been passed down to him. They kind of everyone's going for themselves. It's not it's not very well organized. And he ends up shooting the guy who is who's trying to give himself up. And that's just, yeah, that's just the start. And obviously there's quite a lot of talk about how it's all about uh, the oil and it's not about liberate liberating the Kuwaiti people. I felt it's quite it's quite an interesting thing when one of the Iraqis was basically saying that, uh, you know, George Bush Sr. left them twisting in the wind, um, which is exactly what happened, really, when they pulled out after six six weeks and left the uh, people who had fought against the Iraqis to fight their own battles and obviously get crushed. Well, let's go into that in a little bit more detail, because despite the fact that this is an action film uh, and also one that has a lot of comedy in it, there's clearly a lot of political points that this film is making. What did you make of the the kind of commentary that we get in this film and, and you know do you think what what do you think this film was actually trying to say i think as i said before that he's not sort of shy and then they're not in subtle points that he makes he's telling us it's very you know there's scenes where oil has been poured down the throat of, of uh <laughs> mark Wahlberg. mark Wahlberg as he's being taken prisoner and tortured um you know it's fairly obvious what where the motivations are nothing new to most people but you, you've got to give director credit for actually putting these things in a movie. Um, and I think, he, he, you know, he pulls no punches. He deals with it well. One of the bits was quite interesting, which I thought was when Mark Wahlberg is with his captor. He's being kidnapped. And they're talking about how, you know, some of the torture techniques that the Iraqi uh, army guy was doing on him were, were taught to him by American special forces. Well, I think you've zeroed in on one of the more interesting scenes in the film, because that interrogation scene, uh, despite the uh, rather clumsy pouring of oil down at Mark Wahlberg's uh, throat, there's actually some really interesting stuff before that, because the interrogation actually starts with a really sort of left field question from the guy who's doing the interrogation about... Uh, about michael jackson and oh yeah yeah like mark Wahlberg is completely sort of thrown by that then he starts talking about his family and the fact that his children were killed in a bombing raid and Mm. mark Wahlberg is a new father who's just trying to sort of basically we find out in the film just trying to get home to his kids the film is trying to like parallel these characters and actually as you were saying show the i guess what is sometimes called blowback yeah you know the fact that you know the the torture techniques that are being used on mark Wahlberg are ones that were taught to him by uh, american forces you know and here's here's a man whose children had been you know killed 
by sort of American bombs. So, you know, Mark Wahlberg here is being sort of confronted with some of the uh, kind of uh, fallout from his country's own actions. And the interrogator is given, you know, some interesting depth to his motivations beyond just being a sort of sadistic brute who is just somebody who wants to administer pain. It's funny that in, in an interesting way, also with the flashbacks of the, him asking Wahlberg how he would feel if his son died with a ton of masonry like falling down on him and actual to actual shots of the, the incident happened to the Iraqi guy. And I, I found it quite it's quite funny, actually. The uh, It's quite a little subtle thing. I don't know if most people notice, but as, as um, the camera sort of pans into the torture chamber, there's a sort of TVs, stolen TV, Kuwaiti TVs in this bunker along with all this other gold and blue jeans and all the stuff that uh, Saddam Hussein uh, likes to keep and uh, there's a, sh- a shot of um, the Rodney King massacres uh, Rodney King massacre, Rodney King beating in the US which happened around that sort of time and the irony of us you know going to the, the West going to sort of free these people for, you know and, and liberalise uh, mm. a country and they can't even you know can't you've got, a, give you've got a police you've got a, yeah you've got a police force that is allowed to you know summarily beat somebody uh you know a man for being black so exactly yeah and i think that this film does it is interested in in highlighting those sort of contradictions and you mentioned mm-hmm. a couple of them there you know the iraqis are shown to be just as materialistic as american culture as you were saying with the fact that you know that you know somebody's trying to in the film one of these iraqis is trying to run off with an armful of blue jeans this bunker is just full of consumer goods that they louis vuitton bags and yeah stuff. that they've just looted from kuwait i think the idea that russell is trying to sort of put forward here is that actually uh, you know the americans and the iraqis they're not that much different and you know you see that later when they are with these uh, refugees who are trying to flee to iran these people who've been fighting saddam hussein and you know one of them talks about the fact that he just wants to open a hair salon they're they're just the same as us uh they might be a little browner but um you know (laughs) everyone's got the same motivations and as you say they you know everyone just wants a peaceful life and not to have to have to worry about a bomb dropping on their head as they're going to, to get their groceries in the morning. So the characters in this film, their their mission at the start of this film is one that's motivated by greed. They're trying to steal this gold that they've heard about, but it ends up becoming a humanitarian one. And I wanted to ask you, kind of, did you buy this sort of switch in their motivations as characters? Mm, just about just about obviously they use quite a lot of um, emotional blackmail in order to sort of uh, get the characters to change from their you know uh, financial aims to humanitarian aims they did done reasonably well because halfway through the film they kind of still are trying to going to do this you know get the people across to the iranian border where they'll be safe but taking the money with them they're still concentrating on the money and obviously as they get to know them a little bit more they basically Clooney right at the end obviously has a complete complete conversion and is willing to sort of forego his career and all the money to get these people to to safety it's a little bit Hollywood the ending if I'm honest it's kind of it's just about believable I don't know what did you think I thought that it just about worked I I thought that actually 
for a large chunk of the film, the group's motivations that kind of Clooney and the rest of his gang's motivations were driven by necessity. So when they fall in at first with these Iraqi revolutionaries, let's yeah, call them that, fight. freedom fighters, that actually the reason they first fall in with them is because they need to go back and rescue Mark Wahlberg. So it's a kind of uh, a marriage of convenience at, yeah. that, at that particular moment. And it's only sort of later I I felt it was only really sort of later right at the very end of the film when they when there is that kind of I I won't spoil the the very very end of the film but there is that sort of final moment where as you say sort of George Clooney sort of you know completely I guess converts to Mm. being a humanitarian and gives up on the original his original motivations in this film so it felt like it was earned by that point in the film for me anyway yeah I agree with you. Um, there was a nice line right at the end of the film, just as they're about to cross or not cross the border. I won't spoil it, as you say. And uh, Ice Cube is saying, uh, it's basically, I think that's a summary of this particular invasion, Iraq, uh, the, the US incursion into Kuwait and uh, saving the Iraqi and Kuwaiti people. Basically saying all we had to do was help them um, and it was less than 100 foot. And I think that's that's kind of sums up what uh what happened in that war and the the kind of quick in and out to do the sort of bare minimum possible had implications further down the line obviously if they'd bothered to sort of stay in there and sort of give a bit more support to the iraqis that were fighting to them say you may not have had to go in and do a much longer and more catastrophic job um you know 10 years later so david o russell has made like a load of big films after three kings and so i just wanted to sort of ask you about where you kind of rated three kings in terms of the movies that he's made well i think he's a pretty good he's got he's got a fantastic canon of films i would say he did spank the monkey before this which is a film that seems to be right up my street but i've never watched i hear it's good you might not have watched it but you've lived that film haven't you? oh boy have i lived that dream <laughs> um i heart huckabees i thought it was a really cool quirky little film the Fighter's great. I think, was that Oscar nominated? It might have been. Someone got an Oscar for that, I think. I don't know Christian Bell, but that, that was an excellent film, a gritty film. Silver Linings Playbook, that got Oscars. Joy, I've seen that. That's really good. Uh, I think it's about, to, you know, what's her name? Uh, Lawrence, Jennifer uh, Lawrence. Jennifer Lawrence, uh, about depression stuff. That and got very Ma- mixed reviews. You rated it. I enjoyed it, it. Yeah, I thought it was good. Okay. I thought it was solid. And American Hustle, which is really entertaining. I thought it was a really, really good film. So you've talked me through his CV, Dara. I want a, I want a ranking. I want a rating. Where is this? Out of all of them, ooh, yeah, I'd say probably ranks in there with maybe ranks in there with the fighter, but it's not as good as American Hustle in my book. And I have to be honest, I've not seen Silver Linings Playbook, but everyone says it's brilliant. So I don't know whether that's the best. I don't know what you think. Which one of those have you seen? Well, I I don't say Silver Linings Playbook is the best. I thought it was a terrible film. Did you? I thought it was awful. I don't oh. understand why. The hoo-ha. I don't understand the hoo ha. Oh. Or yeah, it was, it was so. I watched that film in a cinema audience, and the audience probably laughed three times in really? that film. Yeah. And is the there first... supposed to be quite a lot of pathos in it as well, though? Is it, or is it? You think it's just a comedy, but not? But it's unfunny. I don't know what what pathos I'm supposed to. I don't know what I'm supposed to take away from that film, like in terms of an emotional journey. I, I you know, like just it's just bloody Bradley Cooper like running around in a bloody bin bag for most of the film. Okay, doesn't you sound know, good. Like, doesn't, wouldn't, make, wouldn't make me want to see it. 
what's his name? Robert De Niro phoning in another performance in a, in a comedy film. Let's scrunch up his face. (laughs) He, I don't even think he bothers to scrunch up his face in this. Jesus, it's got to that stage he doesn't even have to scrunch up his face anymore. So I didn't particularly like Spanking the Monkey. I didn't particularly like American Hustle. You don't like it? No, it's just, it's just full of really irritating characters with terrible hairstyles. That's the 70s. What do you expect? There might have been, well, I agree with you about the hairstyles in the seventies, but I'm, you know, I'm sure there were some, some likable people in the nineteen seventies. Oh well, you know, we've it's not the first time we've disagreed on films. Uh, well, we both got, uh, let's say, different uh, requisites for entertainment, but um, that I was a film I did enjoy quite a lot. Not seen Silver Lines Playbook, so I'll take on board that. I probably won't see it now you've mentioned it, but yeah, I think he's got a good body of work and. Yeah, he's the sort of director that you'd like to see what he's going to do next. He, you know, he does things. He doesn't do things in the standard sort of Hollywood way. So even his bad films, at least they could you could argue that might some of the elements are interesting. Fair enough. So I'm probably going to ultimately agree with you in the sense that I think Three Kings is one of his best films. But that's more more because I don't really rate any of his other films. So okay. <laughs> so think, three... think of him. Think of him as a less quirky Cohen brother. Oh, I hate the Cohen brothers. So that's, what? That's not I tell you what. Oh, mate, are you joking? Are you serious? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm deadly serious. But we're True not. Grit, the True Grit remake. You didn't like that. You would have liked the original. He's saying that this would have been sacrilege. We're. I'm not. I'm not reprising my my sort of like anti Cohen brothers thing. Okay. I haven't. Is this, well, is this well known on the internet? It is. It is well known on the internet. I can I send you. I, I can send you the documentary this. evidence. Okay, fine. Fine, well, let's, let's move on. Okay, we're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we're going to be talking about the exploding helicopter action. Listen to The Lair of the Unwanted on iTunes, and you can hear me, Jason Soto, use the F word. French? No. Fudge? Eh, sort of, but no. Frank? No. Fridge? No. Faruka Balk? What? what? No! Farfid Nugent. Jeez, no! Alright, what F word could you possibly be talking about? I'm talking about in the layer of the unwanted. Covering the movies you don't want to see and more on iTunes. We're back, and now we're looking at the exploding helicopter action. This happens as our heroes are trying to escape with the gold. An Iraqi military helicopter starts firing on Ice Cube, who is forced to take cover inside a building. The rotund rapper climbs onto the roof. For reasons which have been conveniently established earlier in the film, the American football that he has holding in his hand has an explosive stuffed inside. So the tubby tunesmith throws the football at the chopper, which is hovering close by. It hits the windshield and explodes. Dara, what did you make of the chopper fireball action here? Well, I, 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 we can talk about the chopper, but let's talk about your hatred for Ice Cube's girth. Uh, not that girth, his ra- round his stomach girth. I thought he looked uh, quite lean and trim in this uh, film, but you, you, you've got some beef with his, with his uh, paunch. I've got, I've got some beef with his beef. Oh, he's, well, he looks he's, right in this. He's right. packing some kench, man. Really? I don't, I can't, maybe I don't look at these things like you do, uh, Will. But um, yeah, so the the fireball, the chopper fireball in this is. Is top draw in my view. Unusual way that it explodes. The explosion's done in a very uh, naturalistic fashion, which I think uh, regular uh, listeners to Exploding Helicopter would know that 
we do not like CGI explosions. We like the real deal. Um, and definitely you can see that this was done for real. And, uh, yeah, the whole thing is, is very well done as he aim, you get a nice shot of ice cube sort of sun glinting off of his forehead as he throws the football into the chopper and, and uh, you know, the explosion and the, the two passengers burning up inside and then the, the, the wreckage fall to the floor and it's all nicely done. It's all, you know, the molten wreckage. Well, I like the wreckage falling to the ground because that's something we've complained about before is the yeah. fact that sometimes we see these exploding helicopters and they just evaporate on the screen. There's no wreckage. There's no evidence that they ever existed. And we like to see the sequence completed when, you know, see some wreckage crashing to the, the floor. So that was good. As you say, it's kind of shot from a couple of different angles. So we do get to see uh, the action sort of take place uh, from a couple of different viewpoints. And there's a bit of slow motion involved as well. Yeah, so slow kind of... good as the, as, the, as the ball kind of flies through the air and then hits the... I quite like the chopper. It's like one, it looked like it looked like Magnum's chopper with a with a few <laughs> guns on it. You don't get to see a lot of those. Those kind of bubbly looking helicopters. I like the use of slow motion because it gives you, as a viewer, the sort of opportunity to sort of take everything in and enjoy the uh, chopper fireball in all its glory. Highly recommended for fans of exploding helicopters. Did you feel that it needed an American football related one liner to finish the scene off? Yes. So you know what I was? I was waiting as because they. I think Ice Cube is up there with his, his Iraqi friend and they they look over the top of the parapet and uh, look down to see the explosion below. I was expecting a one-liner at that point as they view the wreckage. I don't know. It needed something. It felt like it needed uh, Ice Cube to sort of go, you know, touchdown. Well, that would have been perfect. <laughs> that would have been perfect. See, you're wasted. You're wasted here on these podcasts. You should be an advisor to Hollywood with these kind of uh, obvious but bright ideas. Ice Cube has also got some previous in the exploding helicopter genre because he has also been in 22 Jump Street, which we covered mm-hmm. on an earlier podcast as well. And he was also in the Triple X sequel. Yeah, he's he's uh, he's got a quite good, interesting range of exploding helicopters in his movies because the one in 22 Jump Street was very creative. So I don't know whether he actually stipulates in his contract that he must have uh, interest in exploding helicopters in, in his films. Let's say he does, because he obviously is not choosing his films by uh, by quality, because he, he's in some <laughs> right turkeys. And also, it's not just Ice Cube. Our friend, uh, our friend, um, what's his name? Mark Wahlberg. His name. Mark Wahlberg. He uh, he's in quite a few exploding helicopter films himself. He's in the other guys, which I don't know if we podcasted, but we've done a review of which is an excellent exploding helicopter. Golf balls. With the golf balls. He is in Shooter as well. That's a terrible exploding helicopter. Terrible exploding helicopter, we can agree. That one in Shooter, it's the, uh, I don't know if you how well you remember, it's that classic lazy filmmaker's trope where the helicopter is damaged and then it disappears behind a tree line. Then you see an explosion. Awful. Inexcusable, that kind of uh, directorial decision making. But he's also in Lone Survivor, and that's quite a good one. That We, we should maybe do that one, because uh, somebody fires an RPG rocket from the ground, and then you see the... It's one of those Chinook helicopters. The rear of the helicopter is open, and then the rocket, or the RPG, travels down the inside of the helicopter before sort of, like, hitting the cockpit and then exploding. So wow. you get to see the rare sight of an RPG inside the exploding helicopter and we're briefly inside the helicopter at the moment of explosion that doesn't often happen that's quite a good one how is the film though in general it's a good film it's a really good war movie it's a very visceral 
experience to say the least i don't think you would come away ever wanting to be in combat after watching that film uh not with my with my aversion to uh authority i don't think i'd ever i'd ever want to be in the field so to speak but um yeah that's um and your beach beach volleyball won't have prepared you for this well i don't know in top gun there's a a beach volleyball uh so I, i expect that in all armed forces i'll be able to do beach volleyball as part of the training i just thought i was just expecting that to be natural why don't you sign up and let me know how it goes with the beach yep. volleyball and the combat yes i think they're, they're not mutually exclusive so this one this is a very unusual exploding helicopter in the sense that you know you've got this american football that's been stuffed with an explosive being used to uh, blow up the helicopter but it's not the only time that we've seen american football pressed into service to blow up a helicopter because we have seen one before yes i believe we have in uh this might be a film that's not familiar to many of our listenership um, because it's an ultra low budget italian film um, from what i remember is is a american football team dressed up and they're trying to get away from the bad guys and one of them decides to this is the logic uh it decides <laughs> to put a grenade in a football and then kick the football so it hits the helicopter and obviously the helicopter explodes. The obvious question is, why did the uh, uh, football not blow up when he kicked it into the helicopter? Surely the impact of his foot on the ball would just blow him to pieces. But that does, that's probably not as good a film. Well, I thought it was a grenade. Wasn't it a grenade? So yeah. well, he's, then, it wouldn't be. They're not impact related. They're timing related, aren't they? Grenades. Oh, I see. They, this is why I, I my extensive seconds in, in, in the in the field, would I? I'd be like expecting it to blow up when it hit the floor and it, you know, the bad guys would get away. You'd still be holding this grenade as it goes up in your hand because you're thinking, oh, I haven't got anything to worry about till it hits the ground. This is why I just put it in my pocket. I'll just do it now (laughs) to save some time. And then uh, when I see the the nasty man, I'll give it to him and then it will blow up. I need, I need, there's a lot I need to learn. Yeah. I'm not sure you're going to get through basic training, (laughs) Dark. No, I don't think so. Well, I think we have just about uh, wrapped things up for this show. Dara, thanks again for joining me today. Thank you. Uh, you know, sorry to the listeners for all the politics. Maybe not as funny, but, you know, let's not shy away from the big issues in the exploding helicopter world. Don't forget, you can check out the exploding helicopter websites or tell your friends about what we do. We'll be back soon. But until then, keep watching the skies for those exploding helicopters. This podcast is a proud member of the Lamb Podcasting Network. Find the network at largeassmovieblogs.com.